Welcome everyone to Horror Cafe, where we're serving up a cup of horror one episode at a time. I'm Erica. And I'm Jackie. And this is episode two of season two, my absolute favorite movie. I'm so excited. <laughs> we're finally doing it. The Shining. And for sure, this will probably be a very long podcast. At least over an hour. I would anticipate it being over an hour. I am well over an hour, so... Because I have to rant about everything. There's, There's something to rant about in this movie. Well, even my... Even, Every scene. Even I did that in my parts of, you know, of sound and all that stuff and my comments and it, it's just a lot. All right, then let's get started. Well, let's get started. What are you drinking? Well, today I'm having a cafe con leche made at home. Yummy. You? I made that delicious bourbon coffee that you got for me from um, Aldi. It's really good. Oh, it's so good. I posted a story about it. Whew. Now it's going to be a few months ago. Right. Because we're, you know, way, ahead, way of ahead of time. It's delicious, but I'm sure it's seasonal. Yeah. I should go and buy more now just to have it stocked <laughs> up. I agree. It's so good. I add I a agree. splash of vanilla in mine, of course. Of course. And it's just mm, It delicious. is really good. All right, so why don't you tell us the plot in a dramatic fashion? <clears throat> Jack Torrance becomes winter caretaker at the isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado, hoping to cure his writer's block. He settles in along with his wife, Wendy, and his son, Danny, who is plagued by psychic premonitions. As Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel into a homicidal maniac, hell-bent on terrorizing his family. Bravo! <laughs> you like this plot reading, don't you? <laughs> I do, since you've given it this new dramatic twist. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it's very 40s and 30s radio Like style. noir? Yeah, like All I that. need is that funny voice that they would do. <laughs> yes, I'm sure we could find a filter that would do that for you. <laughs> Probably, but we're good. As I mentioned... This is my ultimate favorite movie of all time. Of, this is number one. Of all time, horror, it's my favorite horror movie, but it's also just my favorite movie in general. This Out of all the movies of movies, this is it. The number one. The number one. I have watched this countless times. We used to watch it every Halloween. Yes, we did. Remember? Mm -hmm. So I can say I've, I think I've seen this, I'm not going to say a hundred times, but enough I'm going to say you're close to 50 times. I think so. And anytime it's on TV, it doesn't matter if it's at the end, at the beginning, in the, I will put it on. Whether it's just that I, you know, background noise or I just get sucked back in and I watch it. Like it the just, Overlook does. It is what it is. This is my favorite theme. It's, it's a haunted, I mean, it's not a house, but you know what I mean. It's a haunting. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's just, the filming is beautiful. I love Stanley Kubrick's vision. I know... The whole story that Stephen King does not like this movie. Mm -hmm. He hates it. I'm sorry, Stephen King, because you are my absolute favorite as well. And this is also my favorite book. It's just an over... I love everything about The Shining. <laughs> but I do love this movie for the movie on its own. I don't compare it to the book. Mm -hmm. The book is amazing, too. I just... This is a beautiful masterpiece of film and art and just everything about it. It's just... So amazing. And I know about this movie thanks to 
you. <laughs> I remember when we first watched this movie together and we would watch it together all the time mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. And the only, the funny thing I remember was always that when the bathroom scene would happen, you would always tell me, go to the, go to the bedroom and close the door. Because <laughs> you didn't want me to see the, the, the old, old lady. lady. Yeah. So it took a long time for me to watch that scene. I think until I was a, in middle school or a teenager, you let it did, slide. Did I overplay that to the point yes. where it didn't impact you? It didn't impact me. Well, good. Yeah. And <laughs> I thought it was going to be something way, way worse. I mean, she's scary, but it's all right. <laughs> but I can understand, especially as a kid, that probably would have freaked me out. Right. And th- and that was just it. I didn't want to have to deal with you having nightmares. Yeah. So it was kind of selfish on my part. Understandable, though, because I would have remembered it right. for a while. Exactly. You have said many times on this podcast that you live in a horror movie state of mind. <laughs> so I'm not sure that that even made a difference in your life, per se. What? My, at that age, keeping you away from seeing that specific scene. Mm. Because prior to that, I think you had already seen Texas Chainsaw and probably, probably. some other some movies yeah. as well. So <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Just chalk it up to me being younger and a lot less parenty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So, like, for me, this... I read this book a very, very long time ago, back in the late 70s, probably when it came out. For me, that was a massive book to read. It was like 700-some pages. Little do you know that when you read The Stand, I that know. that was going to be way longer. Yeah. And I'm going to just, it. as a side note, um, It and The Stand are two of my favorite Stephen King novels. Um, probably It more so. But I digress. I agree, though. Yeah. I like it more than The Stand, and I definitely like The Shining better than either, too. <laughs> anyway. And, of course, after I read the movie a couple of years later. After you read uh, the movie? After I read the movie, yes. I, I'm, I need more coffee, clearly. Drink up. <laughs> yeah. After I read the book, a couple of years later, I saw the movie. And I remember being conflicted about it because I liked the movie, but I loved the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt there was so much missing from the movie that was great in the book. Um, I don't know. Do you remember way back we watched you, your dad and I? The miniseries? Yes, the miniseries. And it was pretty good because it followed the book. There was way more true to the book Mm -hmm. and it was pretty good. It wasn't so bad. My comment on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it... It followed the book way more. It included a lot of things that obviously weren't in the movie mm-hmm. and, you know. But I watched it, I would say, four years ago again. Oh, you did? Yeah. I forgot where, but I rewatched it. It did not age well. Oh, okay. At all. Okay. I mean, to me, it didn't age well. The movie does age well because mm-hmm. the movie, at least, if you don't like it because of the the elements of the book mm-hmm. that are missing. I think the acting and the way it's executed is at least good. I you didn't even that. have to read the book and it could be a movie on its own. Mm-hmm. But the miniseries, it was very cheesy. The mm-hmm. acting is very cheesy. And I'm sorry, I like the original Danny. I can't do this miniseries Danny. Like I don't he, remember a lot of that's it. The only, it's because I saw it recently and I'm right. like, to me, this did not age well. Mm. 
I mean, the story is there. It just, I think, and this is very bold of me, I would be open to a remake of this movie. Mm-hmm. Or if Netflix or HBO wanted to make a series, a legit miniseries, because the miniseries was like on ABC, mm-hmm. so it couldn't have been maxed to where it to should where be. it should be. Because yeah. this this to me is a rated R movie. Yes, absolutely, okay? it is. And not for network TV. I think a Netflix or an HBO, some big Hulu that can make it rated R and a big budget. Mm-hmm. would be great it would just have to be the right directors the right actors because this is an important movie i know <laughs> and and here's where i what i wanted also to say and i think that as i've grown older i take more in when i watch a movie i'm 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 taking in more substance and rather than just watching it for the sake of watching it right um i used to i consider myself that uh, let me start that again I think I used to be a spectator. Mm-hmm. Now I'm more of a particip- participant. And what I mean by that is I look for details. I notice the sound. Clearly for me, that's super important. Um, the overall ambiance of the movie and the acti- acting. And yeah, I place myself in the movie. We both do. We tend to do that uh, in the movie itself. So let's fast forward to now. And I have forgotten so much about the book itself, the details. Me too. That I have come to, get ready for this, love the movie. Boom. So you didn't love it this whole time? No, I did. I have. I'm talking about back then. Oh, okay. It took... A while? A while for me, because I I have forgotten the details of the book. I can remember maybe one or two things. I mean, come on, it was in the 70s when I read it. And I have not reread it since then. So a lot of the details have just faded in my mind. Same here. Commenting on your movie going experience, Mm -hmm. I think what you're doing now is you're looking at it as an art. Yeah. Instead of just what you're saying, oh, I'm just going to go watch it for entertainment. Uh There are some movies that I think are just for entertainment purposes, and that's what you get out of it. But um, I think we've grown in that sense, both of us, that we look at it from an art. And that's from having people like my friends that love movies and have made us look at it in a different way. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I'm going to say that I owe that to you. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, let's get into movie facts because I know that you took a very deep dive here. Well, you know, there's a lot of information about this movie (laughs) and probably stuff that has been recycled, but, you know, we'll share it anyway. Yep. Rotten Tomatoes score. Critics gave it 84 and audience gave it 93. Yay. Bravo. This was released on May 23rd, 1980. So, On top of it being my favorite horror movie, favorite book, favorite, you know, movie of all time, it is technically an 80s movie, and I love the 80s. Don't look at me like that. I don't understand why you don't like the 80s. You got to live it, woman. I didn't say I didn't The 80s is the 80s. Music, movies. Listen. The boom. I lived it. It's... I. I should have been this age in the 80s. I would have had the hair, the fashion, the whole yeah. new wave thing. Mm-hmm. You would have, the for movies. sure. I guess because I lived it. It's not a big deal to you? <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, it happened. And yes, it was a great era, but I'm over it. Ugh. 
whatever. Like, it wasn't fun being a teenager in the 2000s. Exactly. The 80s would have been Honestly, fun. I can see that because yeah. I had a blast. Well, I had a blast in, in the late 70s into the 80s. Yeah. You know, until you came along. Hey. <laughs> and then it was a mega blast. Thanks. For the role of Jack, Kubrick did initially think of Jack Nicholson. He also thought of Robert De Niro, who apparently claims that the movie gave him nightmares for months. Go mm -hmm. figure. I would think De Niro's like this big, tough guy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he thought of Robin, Robin Williams and Harrison Ford. Wait, wait. I cannot see Robin Williams in this role. I know that he can do serious acting. I know that. Or he, back then. Hold on. Uh-huh. I actually can, because do you remember that movie Insomnia? Yeah, with Al Pacino uh -huh. and One Hour Photo, he was a crazy person in both. I think he would have been interesting in the switching. Mm. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll be open to open minded. It. I think De Niro would have been too intense because I'm thinking of yeah. Cape Fear, mm -hmm. and I think it's too much. I just don't see him in that role. I don't either. I don't see that role for him, and I don't. See and Harrison. I definitely don't see Harrison Ford. Nope. And to be fair, I've never seen Harrison Ford in a villain role. Yes, yes. Where yes. what lies beneath? It was with that's Michelle true. Pfeiffer, but not like this. Like yeah. I don't know if he can do horror, do horror mm. like that. Because technically, what lies beneath is a thriller yeah. slash horror, right? Which would be interesting. Mm -hmm. But th this is also unfair because we already seen the movie, and I don't know. To me, this is Jack Nicholson's role. <laughs> Like, he owned it yeah. in his insanity mm -hmm. and how he just amped it up. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, Stephen King didn't approve of any of these people. Yeah. <laughs> but his contract, didn't you tell me that Kubrick had final say? He did have final say. Apparently, King, what he preferred was Michael Morty. I don't know who that is. Morty Arid. I can't pronounce it. I don't know who thing. that is, to be honest. John Voight or Martin Sheen. John Voight and Martin Sheen, no. Why? I don't know. I don't like... I, I don't like gone, either of them, I would have so. gone for John Voight. I think he could have done it. I don't know anything about M Michael Moriarty. I don't know who I that is, so I can't even I give say. Up. Martin Sheen, not really. Eh. Either way, I no. I would have preferred Robin Williams out of all of these, if anything, but to me, Jack Nicholson, you know. He stole the show. <laughs> but yes... Kubrick said that this was not negotiable. So, there you go. That must have been fun. I can see why this set a fire under Stephen King's ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jack Nicholson initially thought and suggested that Wendy should be played by Jessica Lange. But that would have been for the book version of Wendy. Because I do remember the book version of Wendy was much tougher mm -hmm. than the movie played by Shelley Duvall. But then... Once you realize the different version of Wendy, Shelley Duvall was the perfect fit for it. And apparently Jack Nicholson was very supportive of her and would like help her. Mm -hmm. And the reason they, you know, changed it is because Kubrick wanted to highlight machismo because obviously Jack is a much more powerful character mm -hmm. and the dominant versus Wendy, who is submissive and weak and just vulnerable. Yeah. Which is very well played out. <laughs> it is. It's definitely well played out, for sure. So much so that 
Shelley Duvall was emotionally bullied by Kubrick throughout this film. Like, when she is scared and, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that she looks tired and just overall, like, defeated, it's because the actress really was. There's a whole thing about this now, about her. The whole scene, he would, like, humiliate her in front of everybody. That that would not fly today. It would, no. (laughs) Definitely not. I think she came out in the last few years about it, so, of course, people are very upset. And it is said that during the stairs scene Mm -hmm. like she is truly terrified like that is her being that scared and it was apparently in the guinness book of records Mm -hmm. this was shot 127 times because kubrick is a super perfectionist no he would want to reshoot things over and over and over and over that is that's a lot of times to be (laughs) think about the emotional drain this has had to have had on her 127 takes mm-hmm. of the same scene, scene over, over and, and over. over. So I can see why actors can fall into this depression and emotional issues because you have to be in that character. Mm-hmm. So if it's like a villain and if you're filming something over and over, how much does that start getting into your psyche? And yeah. some actors, I forget what it's called, even though we've mentioned this before, they stay in character. Mm-hmm. So if they're the villain, they stay in character even when they're not filming so that they represent that character fully. Well, I mean, let's digress just a little bit. Look at Heath Ledger. Right. And his Mm -hmm. portrayal of the Joker and how it affected him. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. That's a sad one. Well, if you watch American Horror Story, Evan Peters, apparently what I had read, I don't know how true it is, but he had to take a pause because he's always the villain. Yeah. And he was, like, tired. He had to stop because it's just a lot to always be playing. Even though he's great at it and he enjoys it. But it's like, you know, there's a there's a line. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes sense. Yeah, it sure does. The famous, here's Johnny. <laughs> I still love that scene. It's so great. Is obviously um, Jack imitating the line from The Tonight Show with mm-hmm. Johnny Carson. And it was improvised. I didn't know that. This whole time, I never knew it was improvised. So that was a fun fact. Yeah. That famous door scene was shot over three days because, you know, perfectionist. And it resulted in the destruction of 60 doors. That's a lot of wood. That's a lot of wood. I hope it got recycled. I hope so. At (laughs) least a bonfire at the end. I know. One of the things The Shining is famous for in filmmaking Mm -hmm. is the use of the Steadicam. So when you see Danny on his tricycle, mm-hmm. that's using the steady cam and that, you know, he's one of the ones, Kubrick is one of the ones that like really mastered this and the whole smooth tracking shots through uneven surfaces. And you, you really notice it when you watch the movie, mm-hmm. how like nice and smooth. Apparently one of the other movies, <clears throat> sorry, that used steady cam was Rocky. Really? I love Rocky. I know you do. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For a fun movie, I mean, I found this entertaining. You haven't watched it yet. Check out the documentary Room 237 because it's these crazy theories about what The Shining is really about, which is um, one of them was um, the moon landing, mm-hmm. that Kubrick filmed the moon landing, that it's not real, <laughs> and then about like Native American... Um, genocide is the mm. other one 
It's very interesting, and the way that they, like, point out things throughout the movie, it really makes you go, hmm, hmm. But it's just really entertaining to see, like, how you really, like, you really thought of this. You know, uh, everybody had the right to believe what they wanted, Absolutely, <laughs> but you should watch it. It's really I, entertaining. It's just that it's long because it's the movie and it goes throughout the, the movie. Yeah, I I probably could have watched it last night. I should have um, since it was a quote-unquote me night, <laughs> meaning your dad was out. Um, and it was just, oh, I'm all alone at home. I'm going to watch something that I want to <clears> watch. <throat> Not that he wouldn't, but, you know. Nah, he made it. This is a very specific movie okay or documentary but i promise i will watch it soon so we can talk about it more i think you should okay apparently kubrick hated to fly and refused to leave england um towards the end of his life so he was not there when they shot the opening scene oh you know uh you know it's that aerial view which nowadays i'm sure they would just use a drone right and you can see in one of the shots the helicopter yes you, you can did see point it. that out several times you pointed it out yeah Apparently, it was filmed in Glacier National Park in Montana, and wow. they did film it from a helicopter, which is obvious anyway, because you can see it <laughs> in one of the little shots. <laughs> in the book, the room is actually, you know, the famous room is actually room 217, but in the movie, they changed it to 237, and the reason was, was because where they filmed the movie, which is, you know, they use the exterior of Oregon's Timberline Lodge. They didn't want, the, the hotel didn't want customers to be like, I want to stay in room 217. So they created the room 237 because the hotel does not have a room 237. Mm -hmm. It was to avoid over requesting the room. Does that make sense? Correct me. I'm correcting you because what you're really trying to say here I know. is they didn't want people to avoid being in room to 17. What? <laughs> then people would say, I don't want to stay in room 217. You're uh, looking at it from a horror fan thinking, yeah, I want to stay in that room. But uh, most people would but, want to avoid it. But it worked the opposite because mm -hmm. people do request right. to stay so, in 217. In the end, people did want to stay there. Got it. Well, thank you for correcting me. It was a difficult thing it's, to it's interpret. It's a hard thing to explain, but... That's all right. That's all right. At the end of the movie... It's a, listen, to me, every scene in this movie is famous because it's been parodied so many times mm -hmm. or just used in pop culture. And in memes, everywhere. Everywhere. Anyway, it's the the chase in the maze. Mm -hmm. And it's all snow covered. Mm -hmm. They used salt and crushed styrofoam. And to be precise, 900 tons of salt. That is a lot of salt. What yes, did they do with it afterwards? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe they shoveled it back. To where? I don't know. <laughs> shoveled it? <laughs> Maybe they bottled gallons. it. Like, here's a... Here's a Salt memento. from the shiny... Oh, that would have been something yeah. to tell. You like that, huh? Yeah. I don't know how they pulled it off, but they convinced the actor who was playing Danny that they weren't making a horror movie so that, you know, they don't scare the, the poor kid. Mm-hmm. But he improvised... The whole Tony, the voice, and the finger. Mm. I didn't know that until now. Yeah, that's... When I read the, the notes that you had written, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Isn't that neat? Mm -hmm. So, yay, Danny. Yeah. You created something iconic. And clearly, Kubrick loved it. And, and kept it. And kept it. 
Okay, back to what I was saying that actors stay in character, they do things mm -hmm. to help develop their character. Jack Nicholson ate cheese sandwiches for two weeks leading up to filming. So, and he hates, apparently hates cheese sandwiches. And this is to give that, give Jack Torrance his, like his demeanor. So he was basically eating something that he hates to bring out this anger. Right. Maybe that's why he looked grumpy from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you don't, if you're eating something for weeks before. Ugh, like, and something ugh. you don't like? Yeah. Oh, Although, no thanks. Cheese. Mm. I know. I would eat a cheese sandwich. Me too. But maybe after the third time, it's like, all right. Well, you could change up the cheese. You can. Maybe, and the bread. Maybe he doesn't like cheese. Ooh. Weird. Hmm. Mm. Maybe, or he's lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Anyway, the elevator doors opening with all the blood. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that everyone who knows The Shining knows this. It's also in the trailer. Right. So it's a very familiar scene. A, it took a year to, to film. What? A year. All right. So take that 127 days. Uh -huh. I mean, times to shoot the stair scene. And here you go. You have a whole year to film. The elevator scene. You're talking about the scene where the that blood comes pouring out of the elevator, right? You got it. They eventually did get it in three shots, but the issue was that it would require nine days to clean up the hallway and then fill up the elevator with the blood again. Nine days just to do that. I, so I, don't, I still uh. don't get how that's a whole year, but I can kind of see it because Kubrick is like that. Nine? Can you imagine cleaning nine days. that mess? Oh, you... No. You would be so pissed. Oh, I would. Cleaning that shit up. Yeah. Because you hate any spills. I do. I do. I have a thing. You with, have a thing. With spilled yes. things. Yes. Yeah. That that would... I, I think I would have quit if I had to be the one cleaning that shit up. I know. <laughs> but if you were getting paid, maybe it would be different. Uh, no? I don't okay, know. maybe not. A huge fire broke out at the end of the filming of the movie, and it destroyed several pieces of the set and had to be rebuilt. Which is ironic because it doesn't happen... Spoiler. Um, it doesn't happen in this movie, but in the book, mm -hmm. I, I do remember this because the book focuses a lot on the boiler. Yes. Which they don't in the movie. No, not really. They not show. At all. I they, mean, show, they show it, but... And it's what eventually it does blow up and it blows up the... The hotel. The hotel. That's the end of the book, basically. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And there's a picture of Kubrick standing in front of... The charred set laughing. You got to look it up. It's a pretty cool you know, picture. It's now black that, and white. Now that I have to look it up. And now that you say that, was that almost like a fuck you to Stephen King? Maybe. Not nice, okay? <laughs> and then it's hard. I'm put. I'm stuck in the middle because I, I love Stanley Kubrick and then I love Stephen King. I did not know this, but there's an alternate ending. And I wonder if it exists somewhere out there. In the alternate ending... Wendy is in a hospital bed and is told that a lieutenant and his men explored the whole hotel and they couldn't find anything that backed up her wild accusations huh. about what happened. Well, you know, I always did wonder what the after was, you know. I don't know that I would have liked you can, that. You can read Dr. Sleep. <laughs> That's, well, I read it and saw the movie, too. I know, but, me too. Yeah. I'm just joking with you. Yeah. And then to add to how many takes... Stanley Kubrick does one of the other scenes that took many takes was actually the scene with uh, Dick Holleran and Danny mm -hmm. um, in the kitchen talking. 
It took 88 takes, and then just the close-up of Hollerin, 148. <laughs> Clearly, Kubrick was an artist. A beyond perfectionist. And an artist. He wanted to throw that in there, that art. And yeah, it is an artistic endeavor as well. It is. The Shining was supposed to have been done in 100 days. Uh-huh. But it racked up to about 13 months. And he shot it mostly in chronological order, which apparently is rare. I didn't know that. What do you mean? Apparently in Hollywood, movies aren't always filmed, you know, from the opening. Right. Got it. But apparently he filmed it mostly in order. I would prefer it that way if I were an I would think so. Why would you film a scene, I don't know, I'm killing somebody, and then down the line, oh, I love you. How do you stay in character? I don't know. It yeah, seems weird. That is Unless it does weird. help the flow. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it does. I don't it's know. Not We're like, not actors, right? No. So, or producers, directors, and things like that. Yeah. There must be some madness. We're just madness. Two, two podcasters talking about stuff. Yes, we are. All right. And with that, let's get into talking about the movie. And again, I will give everyone a heads up. This is a long episode. Get ready. We're going to the Overlook Hotel. Let's give our characters names so that in case someone hasn't seen the movie or did and doesn't remember, we have Jack Torrance, Wendy Torrance, Danny Torrance, Dick Holleran, who is the chef over at the Overlook Hotel. Those are our main characters. Then we have Lloyd, who's the bartender, and we've got Grady, who was the caretaker. Yes, those are our characters. Opening scene. It's the shot of the car winding through the mountains. This beautiful environment. Beautiful. Really is. Yeah. And the music. The music. I mean, from the get-go, you're just like, oh, what are we watching? Because this is starting very ominous with this powerful music. Instead of talking about it, why don't we listen to it real quick? I can hear this anywhere, and I I know <laughs> this is The Shining. Funny enough, I watched, I think it was a reboot of Cabin Fever. I don't know, because there's like 20 versions of that movie mm-hmm. recently, and they had it. What do you mean? They-, they played this. Really? Which I thought was so strange, because immediately I was like, this is The Shining. I can't believe this is here. Wow. It's just really odd. It's weird to hear something that I associate with something else Mm -hmm. in a different setting yeah but this to me is iconic and it just gets you like in this all right there's something in it this This is just ominous and just very foreshadowing of like what's to come what's coming because it goes from like okay it's kind of calm and then it's gonna hit this note that we're gonna listen to really quick shrieking i call them voices Mm because i mean they're they're vocalizing it just there's an isolation feeling with that sound Mm -hmm. and i just i envision being stuck in the snow not that i've ever been in snow (laughs) in a mountain 
and making that and it's just echoing and there's nothing and you're just alone. There's a sense of isolation, which is what is happening in this movie. They're isolated and it's just the music just... It goes from, okay, it's kind of calm, it's spooky, and then it just thrills up. Like the movie. Yeah. It's a slow burn. Mm -hmm. And then it just goes boom at the end. I have to say, the the sound, the music itself is, from the get-go, absolute dread for me. Yeah. It sets you up for what this is. Yeah. So, yeah. The mood. It's powerful. Very. It's Jack and his bug- Right? A yellow Volkswagen. I know. I didn't really picture him in that kind of car. But hey, he's going for the interview at the Overlook. Mm-hmm. So what it is is that he's going to be there to be the caretaker with his family during the winter months. Because they need to make sure the boiler's running and just to maintain the hotel during the winter. Right. He goes for the interview with uh, Stuart Ullman is the guy's name. And, you know, I guess he's kind of normal. In the interview scene, but he already gives off the crazy vibes. Plus, it's just him. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson just kind of has that about him. Mm-hmm. The eyebrow. Like, he's just so perfect. His facial expressions are... They're great. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, I can understand why Stephen King yeah. wasn't happy with it. Because mm-hmm. the book itself, it builds gradually. You right. know that Jack has problems, but he's not batshit crazy from the get-go. Right. And you can see this. That something's not right with, with him. him. And yeah. he's so agreeable about everything. I know. You but... know, including when the guy tells him about the history of the hotel. Yep. He seems to be perfectly fine and even says, oh, my wife will love this. Right. Correct. So, you know, the, the interview's going well from what it looks like. And then Ullman tells him, oh, I'm going to tell you about the tragedy of 1970, which is the other caretaker that was there, Grady. Charles Grady. Was there with his wife and two daughters. And he got what, as Ullman says, what they call cabin fever. And he killed his family and then killed himself. Yeah. But he didn't just kill them. He went at them with an axe. Yep. Good times. <laughs> which we see later. Yeah. And he didn't seem very phased by it, and that's when he said, well, we'll be fine, because my wife loves horror. She's a horror fanatic, mm-hmm. which we understand. We are, too. At the same time, we go from the interview to the Torrance home back in, I think, Sidewinder or Boulder. I don't remember which um, town. I think, I think Boulder. Boulder. Yeah. And it's Wendy and Danny at home. Wendy gets a call. From from Jack, Danny's in the bathroom, and he's talking to Tony. Mm-hmm. And Tony's basically giving Danny the warning of, like, that he doesn't want to go to this hotel. And Danny's like, why don't you want to go to the hotel? And Tony won't say. Mm-hmm. He just shows him. And this is where we get a flash Ugh. of, you know, Danny having the images. But before this happens to Danny, he te- Tony tells Danny that... Wendy's going to get a call from Jack that he got the job. Right. And she did. I'm actually getting goosebumps <laughs> right now. And poor Danny passes out because he gets the visions. And the vision is he sees that blood flowing from the elevator mm-hmm. and he sees the girls yep. all chopped up. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so Jack got the job. Yeah. Danny wakes up and now the the doctor is there back when they used to do... House calls, right? I assume because I don't even I, I don't know if that it might exist somewhere in some town or city. 
When I was a kid, they existed. There you go. Well, I'm aware because you were a child of the earlier days. <laughs> the doctor, you know, asked him questions from what I'm gathering, trying to see if he had some kind of seizure, some kind of, you know, epileptic epileptic episode. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and the doctor's like, oh, he needs to chill. You need to chill for the rest of the day and stay right. in bed. And his room is so cute, little it is. Disney With stuff little in there. Rockets and things and oh he's yeah. that that kid. Mm. Oh, so cute. Wendy and the doctor have a conversation and basically what we get from it. They just moved there pretty recently mm-hmm. because Jack needed a new job, got a new job, and apparently there's been alcohol problems mm-hmm. with Jack. We find out that he has was an alcoholic, but he's been Clean. Um, sober mm-hmm. for a few months. And when he, what got him sober is that he basically got home from a drunken rage and picked up Danny and hurt him by the arm. Yeah. Dislocated his arm. Dislocated his shoulder. 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 It's funny when Wendy is telling this story because she's just like. (laughs) But she says, you know, it's just this, and this is in her voice, it's just a thing that. That happens that you do to a, a child times at the park or yeah. like no lady to dislocate a shoulder. Come on, and the doctor's face is like, okay, uh, this isn't okay, lady. But I mean, what are you gonna do? But you you know what gets me in the scene is in that part. That whole part from start to finish is is Wendy. You can tell that she is always on edge. Yeah, she looks anxious. She, she's smoking like. A pile of cigarettes. Yeah. Like burnt out, used, mm-hmm. whatever it's called. Yeah. In an ashtray. And and you can tell she's on edge, especially when the doctor is questioning yeah. her. Because she probably knows, like, this isn't good, but I'm, you know, what am I going to say? Yeah. It's the truth. And, <laughs> you know, the chuckling in between. Yeah. We also find out that Danny hasn't adjusted well to the mm-hmm. change, and that's where Tony comes from, which right. is where I agree. I think he's created tony to help him deal right yeah because that's when the doctor he mentions tony and the doctor says who's tony and he's like he's a little boy and this is so cute i know that lives in my mouth yeah and she's like if if you open it would i see him and he's like no no right but it's just um i i am just floored by this kid i know he really plays this role very well that you're like you're so adorable, and then you want him to be safe, mm-hmm. and it's just great. Obviously, Tony is the shining, mm-hmm. or how he deals with these visions, right? As we later see, it's closing day on the hotel. The Torrances are driving up to the Overlook Hotel and the little bug, and Jack is already off. He is weird. He's very weird. He's not very sweet to either one of them. Let's let's be honest. He's an asshole. Yeah, he really is. They talk about, like, cannibalism and just, like, it's just a weird conversation where I'm like... But he seems to be enjoying this conversation in a weird way because he's got this... I weird don't, look on his face. And I don't a, know. It's a smile on his yeah. face that he's like, yeah, I'm gun home about this. <laughs> they get to the hotel and they get the, the tour now mm-hmm. with everybody Danny does split up from um, Jack and Wendy. He's in the game room Mm -hmm. while they get the tour. In the game room is where we get our first haunted hotel experience. Mm -hmm. I love this scene. It still gets me. 
And and it and you already know something's gonna happen because he Danny's playing darts and he goes to the dartboard to take it out and the music starts. Yes. And all of a sudden he snaps back. It's the way he like he knew. He knew. He oh knew. my! I'm getting goosebumps again. And, I know. And who's there? The two girls mm-hmm. just staring at him. They're just staring at him. And the music is just playing to make you anxious because now you're Danny looking at them. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. He's just. Like, okay. They, the two girls look at each other, they smile, and then they just turn around and walk away. It's that smile that gets me. Yeah. Because initially they're just staring very serious, and then they, they have a devious smile. Yeah. It's not a, hey, we're right. fun kids. No. It's, and it's it's the shadows on their face. It's how the, it's everything. It's the lighting. The, it's the art of outfits. It. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then they just turn around in unison and leave. Yeah. And something very interesting that you told me recently, because mm-hmm. I always thought of them as the twins. Right. They're not. And I think most people do, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're not. One's older. I think the age, there's like a two year difference. And you can, when you really look at them, they're you not can, twins. Yeah. But they look very, very yeah, similar. Because they're wearing the same outfit. Exactly. Hairstyle, the whole thing. But I always thought of them as the twins. And I they're know. not twins, people. I know. And guess what? Another spoiler. They do not exist in the book. That's true. They do Which not. Which is very crazy because this is so iconic to the movie. Mm-hmm. So, oh well. Like I said, you have to view this as a separate entity compared to the book. Yeah. As they're taking the tour, Jack and Wendy find out that the final construction, um, sorry, that they finished constructing the hotel back in 1909. So this is an old hotel. Yep. And of course, it was built on Indian burial. So now we kind of get a sense of what's going on. That was in the book. Yes. From what I remember, it really was built mm-hmm. on a burial ground. We eventually meet Dick Holleran in the kitchen. He's giving a tour to Wendy in there. And I love this. I yeah. thought this was cool. Um, they showed this freezer mm-hmm. with all this meat in there. We would go crazy. I know. How much fun. I know. So much to cook. <laughs> I know. And yes, we love cooking. We love cooking. So, it was like, oh, <laughs> so, wow, look at all that. So that kitchen is like epic. It is. It's so epic. And as the, as Dick Holleran is naming off 20 turkeys and 50 roasts and this and that and this, he mentally says, what's up, Doc? To Danny. And Danny's, the look on his face was like... Oh, shit. It's not just me, because I'm sure, like... Well, he's a... He's he's a a kid. He's a little boy. (laughs) He doesn't know. Yeah. Dick Holleran says, do you want ice cream, Doc? Out. Mm -hmm. Like, out out loud. loud in front of Wendy. And Wendy's like, he can have it. And then as they're walking away, Wendy's like, how do you know... You call him Doc. Why? How do you know that? That's because that's what they call him. Right. Dick Holleran kind of brushes it off and says, oh, I heard you say it. And Wendy's like, I never said that. And then he just still plays it off like, oh, he looks like a doc. Ah, right. what's up, doc? Wendy leaves Danny with Dick Holleran and she goes off with Jack to continue the tour and, mm-hmm. and everything. And now is when Dick Holleran and Danny have a conversation about The Shining. Mm-hmm. And Dick Holleran explains everything about, you know, having conversations without moving their mouths. And right. Danny... Because how kids are very blunt and just honest, right? That's what makes kids special in that sense. He goes, are you scared of this place? Is there something bad here? Mm-hmm. And I love how Dick 
is like, you know this kid has a gift. Right. Why are you trying to lie to him? Yeah, he's trying to make it seem like, no, it's not real, really real. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be afraid. But then... That they're just like pictures in a book. They're not real. Mm-hmm. And one of the analogies is the burnt toast. Right. I, I love this analogy because this is how I've always thought mm-hmm. of, whether you believe or not, of how a supernatural force mm-hmm. and what's behind it. So you, go ahead. No, you can explain it because so, I know you like this. Because he's saying that, you know how burnt toast leaves a scent in the air. Well, it's an impression. And and that's what these things are. They're just a hint of what was there. So it can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Did I relate that right? Yes. And he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> I think because he's trying to protect Danny, but at the same time, it's like what I said, he knows he has this gift, so why not just tell him the truth? He but, knows. But Danny knows it right away. But that's what I mean, so just yeah. stop lying to the kid. Yeah. He's he's obviously aware. And how Danny knows is because he says, what's in room 237? And Dick was like, oh shit. Yeah, Dick goes, nothing, but you ain't, and I, I wrote this down, nothing, but you ain't got no business going in anyway, so stay out. Stay out. He says it twice. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of, you know, Danny gives a face like, hmm, all right. Which to me, this actually would make him want to go in of there course. even more. All humans have natural curiosity, and yeah. kids especially, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. After the stay out scene... It says a month later. So they've been there a month as the caretakers. Mm -hmm. I love the tricycle scenes of being behind Danny as he's riding around in the hotel. Well, let's clarify. It's a big wheel. Oh, yeah. It's a big wheel style trike that was very popular back in those days. Well, there's a lot of those shots and it's just fun to see him. And you can see that he's having fun Mm -hmm. going around. I mean, think about it. He's a little kid kid. with a big wheel running around or driving around through a hotel, Mm -hmm. a ginormous hotel. So think of the fun in his head as a kid, how exciting that is to explore. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it is also scary for us watching it. Yeah, because we don't know what is around any corner. Exactly. At the same day, we see Wendy bringing up, you know, breakfast in bed for Jack this is the only time I see Jack semi-nice. Yeah. You know, he starts eating and he's like, he's actually like thankful for it. And mm-hmm. apparently he slept in. Mm-hmm. But he says that he loves it there. That he's like, I feel like I've been here before. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know we've all had deja vu, but this is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. I really feel like I've been here before. And you know what's, this is a, what? I digress on this. Uh-huh. When he's eating... He's eating bacon and he's dump, you know, dunking it in the fried egg. Mm-hmm. When I would watch this when I was younger, I've only I had only eaten scrambled eggs all my life, and for some reason, this movie always made me go, "What does that taste like?" Because he looks like he's really enjoying this. Oh my god! You know what's funny that as you were talking about that right before that she brings him, I'm actually picturing that because I love doing that. Oh, I'm not a bacon fan. I know you're not. Dunking my bacon into the Mm -hmm. fried egg. Mm -hmm. Oh my. And I love that scene specifically because of that Mm because you see pure joy in his face eating this. Yeah, he really likes it. And it's because of this movie that I tried a fried egg. And I was like, oh, literally when I finally tried it, I think you made it for me because one day I'm like, what's a fried egg? Mm. What is it? 
I'll never forget when I dunked the bread in there. I'm like, this is why Jack likes it. It's so good. <laughs> and now a fried egg makes its appearance in a lot of our food. Oh, it's so good. And especially our classic. Yeah. Fried eggs and white rice. If you haven't tried it, guys, it's really good. Yeah. You won't believe it. Anyway, all right. I digress. Yes. Wendy and Danny go to the maze. This huge maze. We get to really see how big it is. And I I love how you see Wendy carrying a little Polaroid. Mm -hmm. I pointed it out. I'm like, she's carrying a Polaroid. Mm -hmm. I love it. So they, you know, they're exploring it. They kind of get lost. They get to the middle. And then they leave. Yeah. It's it's a really cute scene. It is. Because you actually see Wendy a little relaxed for once. Yeah. I think she's the most relaxed with him. Yes. Yes. And with Dick Holleran. Yeah. Then we show Danny again in his little, you know, big wheel, riding along. And where does he pass by? Room 237. And he gets up to try to go inside. And it's locked. And when we watched it this time, even though we've seen it, but feels like a billion times. We're like, no, no. I know. And his cute little sweater. Yes. <laughs> his cute little sweater. <laughs> anyway, so the door is locked for now. And mm-hmm. he doesn't go inside. And he just, you know, wheels away. Oh. Oh. That carpet <laughs> is the most amazing carpet. I know technically when you really look at it, it's kind of tacky. But I love it. I know. I I know you love, love the carpeting in that hotel. It's just, it's the geometrical figures of it mm-hmm. and the lines, the colors. And then it's the same thing. It's associating it to the movie. I want that carpet somewhere in my home or framed. I don't know. I don't care. I will find it. I tried painting it myself and it came out really bad, but it was fun to do anyway. I have a secret for you. What? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, no. Yeah. Are you trying to make me one? <laughs> Well, not a carpet, but something else. That works. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. <laughs> we sh- we see Jack is starting to go a little crazy. Because he's in the, we're going to call it the great room. It looks like a, it's not the lobby, because the lobby is its own mm-hmm. place. But, but it is, is a like, big old great room. It's like a big living room. Right. Let's say of the hotel, where people, I would assume, like, go sit in front of the fireplace and read and relax. Like, there's a lot of seating in there mm-hmm. for people. It's a beautiful room. It is beautiful. All this beautiful decorations and all all this. Yeah. And he's throwing like a, it looks like a racquetball. It's a handball. Yeah. It's a racquetball. He's throwing it against the wall. I guess he's gone. Like he's, he's writer's block and just bored. Bored. And he's playing handball against the walls. Of a very expensive hotel. I mean, it looks expensive. Yes. I will say when they show this, the shot, there's a small homage to to the book where he has his typewriter set up the scrapbook is there because he Mm -hmm. finds the scrapbook in the book and it has all these clippings of all the things that have happened at that hotel Mm -hmm. so clearly he has been reading up on the history of it right i also think it might have been intentional in the book too and you know i don't know i think him finding that was on purpose and then it it's also what opened the influence of the hotel mm-hmm. to him. It was a doorway. Yeah. Pandora's box, if you There will. you go. This ne- next scene to me is his doorway to crazy, mm-hmm. bad shit crazy. Yeah. He is tapping away, tick, tick, tick on his typewriter. And Wendy comes in and interrupts him. And then he gives her his explanation of the rules of being distracted. 
and distracted. Yeah, it's directed. Yeah, yeah, he bangs his head. This is where you have what I call that famous crazy Jack stare. Yeah, and he he's like he's to make emphasis. He pounds away on the on the keyboard. Yeah, he's like when you hear me in here, tick 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 on the typewriter, or he's like or whenever I'm in here or. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, do not disturb. Yeah. And and then he says this to her, which is, he goes, why don't you start now? Meaning not distract them. Why don't you start now and get the fuck out of here? And she's just like, okay. And you as the audience, you're like, whoa. Okay. Wow. What yeah. an asshole. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if what he was typing was already. Oh, for um, sure. The all work, no play. Uh-huh. I think he was already typing it there. He wasn't writing a book at, at any point in this I mean, movie. he might have been initially, because obviously it didn't start, well, we assume he, he didn't start off, you know, the insanity right off the bat. But I think he was already typing it there, you know, in his little fun designs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, know you got to make it pretty here and there. There's a scene where Wendy goes to the radio to call the... The Forest Service. Mm-hmm. I love that jacket that she's wearing. It's yeah. like this yellow patchwork. Uh-huh. Kind of like, looks like a walking quilt to me. Kind of, but it has like um, desert stuff on it and kind of Native American inspired. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I know it's I know it's cheesy, but I would so wear it. I could see you wearing it. I would wear it. I wonder if I could find it somewhere. Well, probably. Anyway. <laughs> so she calls the fire service. And it's, I think this is You famous. mean the Forest Service. Yeah, there we go. Forest <laughs> Service. And it's KDK12 to KDK1. Mm-hmm. Another side note. I I watch Riverdale, and there was an episode where Archie w- was using the radio, and he uses this. Oh, really? I caught it immediately. Of course, because this movie is burned into In your brain. In my mind. I'm like, oh, my God. A Shining reference. That means somebody on set loves The Shining. So many movies and shows refer yes. to this to The Shining. That yes. is how iconic this mm-hmm. movie has become. Absolutely. Anyway, the Forest Service tells tells her, yeah, the power's down because there's I mean, a storm there's a storm. Coming. Yeah, and you know, to keep the radio on, and you can always call us. You know, and then she's like, oh, it's kind of lonely and. And, and, you, and you get this feeling that she wants to keep talking, but yeah. these guys are working. So right. it's like, hey, is there anything else we can help you I with? I know. In a very nice way. And yeah. she's like, okay, no, thank That's you, it. over. And, and you feel really sorry for her. I do. All right, here we go. <laughs> Danny on his big wheel. I know when the, I'll call them twins, even though they're not twins. I know when the twin scene is coming. Mm-hmm. Because I know the hallway already. I know the wallpaper. This and the is carpet. insane that you know it this much. Yeah, because remember when you're like, when he was first writing and he's like, oh my God, it's coming. I'm like, mom, it's not yet. I know when it's coming. I, yeah, no, clearly, <laughs> clearly. You are the expert. So he's writing and I knew it. And I even told him, I'm like, it's, cu- it's, it's here, by mm-hmm. the way. And it's when he turns that corner and it's this loud bang of, the, of music. And it's just them again. Hello, Danny. And it's the way he's the sa- way Hello, say, Danny. It's, it's not even hello, Danny. Or hello, hello, Danny. It's his it's the way they say Danny. I oh it just oh again, goosebumps. Me too. Ooh. 
let's let's listen to it. Yeah. And, they, and here, come play with us. And then it's just that over and over, forever and ever and ever. And then they go from being, you know, creepy twins or mm-hmm. creepy sisters just standing there. And then you see them slaughtered. All chopped up into pieces. And the blood everywhere. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's an impactful scene. I still love it. It's still, I mean, it gave me goosebumps now and we're not even watching it. But it's the mix of the, the music the scene itself, poor Danny freaking out. Uh, can you blame him? It's just, it's so good. And then poor little Danny, you know, wheels away. <laughs> I find this next scene rather disturbing. So we see Wendy and Danny watching a movie. And I know I always say this every time this scene comes up, but mm-hmm. it, they're watching a movie called The Summer of 42, which back then was kind of scandalous because it was about a teacher having a thing with a student. So mm. it was rather scandalous for those days. You know what's scandalous too? What? That you don't see a cord for the TV. <laughs> That's true. You did mention that. Okay, that yeah. looks very odd. Yes, that is odd. And you... how, if they lost power, how... Well, I yeah. guess they have a generator. Maybe the they, boiler. They have the boiler and the oh, generator. Right, right. But, but anyway, there's no cord. Right. And we looked. It's, it can't even be hiding under the carpet. Mm-hmm. So very interesting yeah. art yes. there. <laughs> okay, so go on. Danny wants to go up to the living quarters because they have a, a living quarter just for them to be in. Yes. Because um, he wants to get something. His I don't, fire engine. His fire engine. And <laughs> she, uh, Wendy's like, well, your dad's sleeping, you know. And he's like, I'll be quiet. So he goes up. And you see Jack just sitting there mm-hmm. with this blank look on his face. Just staring off. Just staring off to nothing. Yeah. And he bring he calls Danny over and he hugs him, but you can tell that Danny is kind of like Because maybe he's he uncomfortable. Senses it. He yeah. sen- he definitely senses it. Mm-hmm. And what does he say to Danny? He's like, I wanna stay I want us to stay here forever and ever. Yep. Basically saying exactly what the twins or not the twin, the girl, the sisters, say Same. to him. Mm-hmm. And the look on his face. I feel like Jack knows. Crazy knows. Jack knows. Knows what? He knows that this, what he is saying, mm-hmm. that, I don't know how to explain this. I think Jack knows what Danny already saw. I don't think so. No? Because when when Jack talks to Grady in the bathroom, mm-hmm. Grady is the one that tells him your son has a gift. Mm. I don't know. I Why would he sense? say it? Why would he say that? I, you think it's a hotel? It could be the hotel and it could, yeah, it's a, the hotel saying that we want you forever. And it's talking through ghosts and through Jack. And it's just doing that to mess with Danny's little mind. And it's probably meant to mess with you, like yeah. the viewer. Yeah. Like okay. the constant theme of they want you here forever yeah. and ever and ever. Next, we see Danny playing on my favorite rug, carpet. He's playing with his little trucks and a ball mysteriously appears. A red ball. Yes. And it's coming from room 237 mm-hmm. that is now open with a key. Like there's a key in there and everything. Mm-hmm. So you're meaning, you mean to tell me that ghosts even know how to use keys? Apparently they can't just so. open the door without the key. What if Jack did it and he doesn't remember? That's true. What okay. if through Jack, be. 
he went up there before. And opened it. And opened it. All right. Good one. So Danny goes into the room and the scene ends. We don't, we don't know. Wendy's in the boiler room. This is like the only time you see it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That they're, you know, paying attention to it. Right. And she hears Jack shouting. She goes to the great room and he's sleeping, having a nightmare. She wakes him up and he says that he had a horrible nightmare that he killed Wendy and Danny with an axe. And and chopped them them up. Into little pieces. As she's trying to comfort him, Danny starts walking in slowly. You see him far away, and as you get closer, you see he has a, you know, thumb in his mouth, and his jacket is, not jacket, his His sweater sweater is is torn. torn. Wendy is like, go go away, because your dad's upset, whatever. And then finally, she's like, let me go check on this kid, (laughs) you know, because he's not listening. Mm -hmm. Because Danny just keeps walking towards them. Wendy gets up to to Danny and freaks out because now she really looks at him and Mm -hmm. sees that his little sweater is torn and he has like a mark on his neck. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what's wrong? And he's not talking now. Of course, (laughs) she accuses Jack of doing this. Mm -hmm. She's like, you did this. You did this. How could you? (laughs) Like literally like that. That's one of the only times you see her get a little... Mad? Tough. Yeah, tough. That's the right word. Because she... You know, she caves at every other situation except here. She actually did get mm-hmm. pissed. She takes him and runs off with Danny. But I can understand why she thought that. I well, mean, yeah. let's be logical about this. She's not aware of what's going on in the hotel right. on on that haunting level. Right. All she knows is that there's only three people in there. Mm-hmm. And if she didn't do it... It only leaves one person. And he's guilty of this. Yes. Of having hurt the Danny kid. before. Right. Exactly. Jack's face when she's accusing him, he's just like, huh? What? Like, he's literally like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's that meme. Yes. It's a, it's a big meme out there. He gets up and he walks down this hallway towards the gold room. Mm-hmm. But as he's walking down the hallway... <laughs> He, I call it the nutter walk because mm-hmm. he's just like pissed and like grumbling to himself and making these like gestures. This down physical the hall. gestures when that are like, just <laughs> like that down the hall. And you can tell that he's pissed. Yeah. And crazy. Yeah. All at the same time. <laughs> he goes into the gold room, which is this big ballroom in there. It's beautiful. With room. an empty bar. Very elegant. Yeah. Oh, during the tour. They were told by the, by Ullman mm-hmm. that the hotel removes all the alcohol it's locked off away. the premises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Jack walks in. He sits at the bar where there is nothing. Mm-hmm. And he's like covering his face. And he said, I would give my soul for a beer. Mm-hmm. And when he looks up. Guess who's there? It's Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Good old Lloyd and all alcohol behind him. Yes. I find this shot really cool <clears throat> when Jack looks up at Lloyd and I forgot what he says specifically. And then he just starts laughing mm-hmm. like this big open mouth laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just the lighting of the bar and yes. the shadows it creates on his face. That mm-hmm. he, it's another meme gif. Mm-hmm. I sent it to you this morning, actually. Yes, you did. Of him laughing. <laughs> And it's like, this guy has lost his mind. Because mm-hmm. now, I mean, you you 
clearly lost it before, but now you're seeing someone. Yeah. Like you're seeing a person in front of you now. A bartender. Which I feel that this is this is a representation of his old bartender where he used to drink. I agree because he said, oh, you were always the best of them. Right. Unless he's referring to something else, him always being there. I mean, it could be open. I think it's open to interpretation, but I like that idea. I mm -hmm. never really put that together until this last time we saw it because we're hyper aware mm -hmm. of the movie. Yeah. And I agree that it could be maybe not exactly him, but or maybe it is exactly well, he him. Reckon, he's like, hello, Floyd. Lloyd. Or Lloyd, Floyd, <laughs> Lloyd. He Lloyd. did that last time, too. I know, right? Yeah. Um. So, it, he knows him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he asks him for, a, what, a bourbon, whiskey? I don't know. He get he gets some Pours Jack Daniels. Pours him a nice little Jack. And he, and he drinks it. Mm-hmm. And his reaction to drinking it is, like... Yeah. Euphoric, I would say. Yeah. He just looks so, like, weird. Like, he's really happy about this. Like, if it's a his, drug. You're right. The expression on his face, it, it is, well, it is a drug. Yeah. It's, you can almost see him instantly change. Yeah. There's a moment of relief because that alcohol is now in his system. Right. Right. Oh, my God. Hmm. Yep. So, that happens, and as he's drinking, uh, Wendy comes in. Screaming that there's somebody else in the hotel. There's a crazy woman that tried to strangle Danny to please go look mm -hmm. in one of the rooms. Right. So at this point, we flash over to Dick Holleran, who was the chef mm -hmm. and who had that conversation with Danny. And he's having flashes of what's going on at the hotel. Mm -hmm. You can tell that he's scared. He is scared by the look on his on his in on his face. His eyes are really wide open mm -hmm. and he knows stuff is going down or is about to go down. And then they also now cut to Danny and it's a very isolated shot and he's shaking and he's drooling mm -hmm. and it's out of fear. I think now that we're talking about it and I remember this from the book, Dick before he left the hotel, he told Danny, "Call me." mentally call me mm -hmm. if you need help i'm oh, wondering yeah if danny is showing dick what's going what's on. happening and that's why th he's seeing it and that's why danny is um shaking and drooling because this must take a lot of power because dick is in florida yes so he's miles away right i mean states away yeah okay yeah so this must take a lot of energy, and maybe that's why he's reacting that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. I just thought of that, because that does happen in the book. Yes, that's so true. So I'm wondering if this is another little tribute to the book, mm -hmm. without saying it. Right. Could be. So Jack decides to go explore, and he goes to room 237, mm -hmm. and he walks into the bathroom. And there's a uh, one of those transparent but um, frosted curtains yeah. um, in front of the bathtub. Mm-hmm. But you can see somebody behind it and you see the curtain pulled aside and you see this woman and she stands up. She's butt naked. I mean, a full frontal shot of her. And he's just standing there mm, with like lust, yeah. lust in yeah. his eyes. Mm -hmm. And she's just walking towards him and, and he's not finding this weird. Clearly. Clearly not. <laughs> and she comes up to him and starts to kiss him. Mm -hmm. And as she's kissing him, she's transforming. And when he looks 
in the mirror of mm. where the sink is, he sees this woman with her skin all rotting. Yeah, like decomposing. He, right, because you see him look at her skin, and you see her skin when he's kissing her just change into old. Ew. And and she starts laughing and walking. He he obviously separates himself from her, horrified. Mm-hmm. And she's coming at him, laughing. Mm-hmm. And you could s- just see all her body decomposing. Ugh. It it to me it's still a scary movie, a uh, scary scene in the movie because just the thought of it is just. Ugh. It's actually my least favorite scene. I know, yeah. I know it is. Mm-hmm. It so. used to be one of my favorites. It's probably not anymore. We'll talk about which one it is later. Mm-hmm. But it used to be because it freaked me out that he was kissing this decomposing thing. Ew. Yeah. Jack runs out of the room. He goes back to Wendy and says, "Nothing's there." Right. And suggested that maybe he did this to himself. He's such an asshole. Yeah. While the hotel is making him the asshole. Yeah, but you know what? I know that the hotel... But you wouldn't put past him. Yeah. I I think he is an asshole. True. Wendy is suggesting to leave the hotel because Danny needs help. Something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And he is just... He flips out on her and he's like, This, you know, you always fuck up my life and you're not letting me fuck this up. Right. And he leaves. And he goes back to his favorite place in the hotel now. The gold room. The gold room. But this time, there's a soiree going on. It is filled with people. There is a party, a full-on party going on. But it looks like it's from back in the day. Yeah, this isn't uh, in the present. Right. This is what? Maybe the 30s? The 20s or something? 30s, 20s? Yeah. It's back in the day. Yeah. He goes back to good old Lloyd. Uh-huh. You know, orders a drink. And this time he brought money because he didn't have money the last time. Like actual cash. Right, right. And this time he's like, okay, I have some cash to pay you. And Lloyd says, mm, your credit's no good here. Right. It's on the house. Your credit's no good here. Mm-hmm. Or your money's no Your money, yeah. Yeah. And Jack is like, I'd like to know who's buying my drinks, basically. Mm-hmm. And Lloyd is like, that's none of your concern at this point. <laughs> and he goes with it. I would be a little suspicious, but, you know, Jack is just... Jack. He's gone. Another side note. All right. For those of you out there that may know about this, and maybe, I don't know if you remember this, when I was a kid growing up, there was a really weird show on Nickelodeon called Rocco's Modern Life. I love that show. (laughs) Me too. They did a whole episode on The Shining. I remember that. They parodied The Shining. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the coolest thing. They did the twins. See, I I call them twins too. They did the twins. They did this. Mm -hmm. They even said that, you know, your credit's no good here. Like, they did a whole episode on The Shining. That is how popular this really is. Right. Because how do you put this in a kid's cartoon and make it work? But honestly, Rocco's Modern Life was, to me, not a kid's cartoon, even though it was played to kids. It was, but it wasn't. I mean, when you really watch it, I mean, as a kid, I would just notice, oh, it's a cartoon and it's just cool. But when you really watch it, it's, it's not. Like, this... This is for an adult. Yeah. Like, this specific episode anyway is, like, it is for those made for that the have parents. seen The Shining. So, yeah. I thought that was mm-hmm. really cool. I wonder if it's on YouTube. Hmm. I bet have it is. to look it up. Yep. All right. When he's done talking to Lloyd, he Jack gets up and starts, like, kind of dancing around. With his drink in with hand, With his drink. And Grady bumps into him and pours some kind of weird drink on him. Mm-hmm. I think that's on purpose. Of course it is. Because then they go to the bathroom to have a conversation. 
But let's talk about that bathroom. Yeah, right? I was going to go there, too. <laughs> go ahead. Go for it. Because I know you have always talked to me about It's just this a bathroom. weird bathroom. Like, white and red. What kind of choice is that? How do you go from that gold room, right? The ballroom where mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, antiquated looking to what I consider more of a contemporary, modern looking Like, 60s modern bathroom? artsy, yes. Like, what is that? It ha- but it, it adds to the scene. Mm-hmm. I think the red, you know... It's an orangey red. I mean, it's... Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And it's just the starkness with the white and then them in there. It's mm-hmm. just so weird. Yes. And having this butler, like, cleaning you, but then talking to you about murdering your family and then you having to correct your family. Yes. That, I, that to me, is one of my favorite lines when he's talking about correcting yeah so initially the conversation is okay and then grady just is the voice of the hotel in my opinion Mm -hmm. because that's when he says to him did you know that your son is bringing an outside intruder Mm -hmm. into this situation and Mm -hmm. it's the cook Mm -hmm. and he's like no i didn't know so they're you know, the hotel's telling him that your kid has this gift mm-hmm. and you need to do something about it because the hotel wants them. Mm-hmm. The hotel wants the souls of all of the whole family. And Jack tells him, sorry, I'm backtracking because I was excited about the mm-hmm. intruder. Jack says to him, you're Grady. You were the caretaker here. And Grady's like, no, you've always been the caretaker. Mm-hmm. And that always left a mystery to me. It still leaves a mystery. I think it's just um, the hotel playing games with Jack, with you. I think it's just the the script playing with you and leaving it open to whatever you think that may be. I think that's just the hotel, how they suck people in. Messing with their mind? Making them think that they're the caretaker and that they have to stay. And that's when Grady gets into the whole, like, oh, yeah, my family didn't like it here initially. And then I corrected them. <laughs> we have to say that he does have a British accent. So it makes yeah. it kind of cool so, the way he says corrected them. <laughs> so Grady mentioned that his daughters tried to set the hotel on fire. So I'm wondering, did they have The Shining, too? And they knew about the hotel like Danny. Or did the, did the hotel influence them? To burn it down? No. Why would the hotel want to be destroyed? Maybe they were scared. Eh, could have or been. maybe they saw their dad changing. Maybe. But, but I'm to wondering. your point, maybe they did. Maybe I don't... they had the gift as well. Right. And now they're evil because they got sucked into the hotel. Hmm. They got the souls that they needed. <laughs> At the same time that this is all going on, Dick is on his way to Colorado, by the way. Wendy's formulating a plan that she is going to leave even if Jack doesn't want to because she needs to get help for Danny. And Danny starts with the red rum, mm-hmm. saying red rum, red rum. Even when I, when we first watched this movie, well, when I first watched this movie, I was like, red rum? Okay, that seems kind of odd. Yeah. Why would you say that? And when Wendy goes up to Danny like to try to shake him and talk to him, Tony talks for him and says, Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And he well. says it in that Tony voice. Mm-hmm. But a little creepier than normal. Yes, a little <laughs> bit. There's a little edge to it. Yeah. Jack decides to steal the radio battery and 
I guess throws them out. Who the hell knows what he did? He puts them in his pocket. Yeah, but the point is he takes it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he also goes out to the snow cat. And so, I mean, we don't see it, but I'm assuming he does do it at Mm -hmm. that time and disconnects the... Cuts out the... Cuts the whatever. Something that makes it work, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Dick is flying into Denver, calls a friend up to say, hey, I need a snow cat. And they arrange that whole situation. Mm-hmm. So he's getting closer now. Now comes when Wendy decides to check up on Jack's work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she finds all these papers saying all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah. And all these pretty designs. There's all these theories that um, whether... Stanley Kubrick did type it himself or it was his secretary who sat there and typed it. We really, we won't know the answer because nobody ever found out before he died. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because it would have been typed by hand. Yeah. No computer at that point to so, print that out. That's exciting. At least not that I could think of. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot. You're you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of pages with that same phrase over, over and, and over, over again in different in paragraph form yeah. in geometric shapes mm-hmm. in triangles it's like what yeah wow yeah and as she's looking through she has a bat with her mm-hmm. and as she's looking through all these papers jack shows up and he says how do you like it and she's like ah mm-hmm. and here comes the scene where she's backing up towards the stairs in the great room and mm-hmm. he's just like talking and you know that this is like i know when he says wendy light of, of my, my life. life it's the way he i'm gonna say that this is his single most impressive line in this movie for me i know and you know she's telling him how we need you know crying that we need to take danny to a doctor and he's like making fun of her yeah. and just belittling everything yeah and he's like when when do we get to do when when do you what is when it do you want to do this basically right and she's like as soon as possible and then he's like as soon as possible like and, making fun of her it's and funny though let's be funny this morning i text you that reply because <laughs> when i asked you when, when do, do i go over as soon as possible I couldn't find a gif because I, I was looking for one and I couldn't find one. But that's why I sent you the laugh instead. I got it's it. Funny. She's going up the stairs and he's still making fun of her, laughing at her. And that's when he says, your favorite, Wendy, light of my, my life. life. Yes. And then he said, you didn't let me finish my sentence. I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, hurt you. I just want to bash, bash your, your brain. fucking brains in or <laughs> however he says it. It's just like, okay. And she's swinging the she's bat. She's swinging that bat over and, and over. Forth. And she's like, stop it. Stop it. And then finally she does hit him. Yeah. Right in the head. Bam. It was a good hit. It was. It was it a good was. hit. It was. She she connected with that skull really big. Really Enough big. Enough that he's bleeding a little bit if he I remember. He bled a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And he knocks out and she drags him into the pantry and locks him in there. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm leaving. Yeah. And that's when he's like, ha, 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 you're not going anywhere. Go yeah. check on the battery and the, yeah. the snow cat. Uh-huh. And she finds that the battery is gone and the, the snow cat is inoperable. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Find out what happens next after this quick break. Good old Brady releases Jack from the pantry saying... But he basically told him, you know, you're screwing up. Yeah, you're They're messing up. They're getting the better of you. Mm-hmm. And she sure is. She's yeah. a lot tougher than she probably gives herself credit for. Yes. As well. 
Dick is on his way now. He's in in like a snowcat as well, mm-hmm. and so he's on his way. Uh, a comment that I wanted to make when Wendy puts Jack in the food locker. Mm-hmm. I know that you and I talked about this. Every time we see this scene, we always say the same thing. She was actually kind to him because he could have been in there for months and would have had food. <laughs> At least she was considerate, right? Yeah, because you see like checks and cheese its and there's tuna. Mm-hmm. The only oh. thing he doesn't have is water, unless we don't see it. Yeah, there's probably water in there or something yeah. to drink. Yeah. But she actually put him in a place where he could survive yes. should that come to be. Yeah, that was very kind of her. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's probably the most secure place because it had like a double lock. Yeah, it's it's a heavy-duty <laughs> lock, but she just wasn't counting and didn't know about Grady. Right. Now it's nighttime. Wendy's sleeping. And here comes Danny with the red rum again. Mm-hmm. He's saying it. He's saying it. He goes up to her vanity and takes a red lipstick, which... I never saw her wear red lipstick, so that was odd, but Mm -hmm. okay. And he also grabs the knife that she's been holding on to, Mm -hmm. goes up to the bathroom door, and writes red rum. And we're like, okay, red rum. Then he goes up to her, right, still sleeping, and he starts getting louder. He's talking in Tony voice. Right. And then he escalates to Danny voice. Mm -hmm. So Danny's back. Let's take a listen. Red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum. You have to admit that this, no matter how many times you've seen it, is bone chilling. It is. Because you see that transformation of Tony back to Danny. Mm -hmm. And in the before he even gets to the to the to the Danny part, he's got that knife in his hand Mm -hmm. and it just it flows so well. The scene and, and the whole red rum thing, it's 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 amazing. And there's panic. There is absolute panic. And guess what plays that panic? The music. The music. Yep. As always. Wendy wakes up, startled, freaking out. She hugs Danny. But as she's hugging him, she looks in the mirror, and it's murder. Mm-hmm. I remember when I watched it the <laughs> first time, and when that happened, I was like, what? That is so cool. That is genius. Oh my god, that's so creative. Because she's looking that's so at the neat. she's looking in the mirror at the door, so it's reversed to be what it's supposed to be, which is murder. murder. Amazing. It's just so amazing. And as she sees the word murder, Jack is uh, you know, lumberjack now. Mm-hmm. He's tearing down the door with a big old axe. Jack starts pounding on the front door of their living quarters. Right. Wendy and Danny go into the bathroom and lock themselves in there. Wendy manages to get the window open, but not fully, but right. enough that Danny can get out. So mm-hmm. he's slide, he like, wee, like a little slide of snow. <laughs> <laughs> but she can't get out. Yeah, she so does she not. Tells, as skinny as she is, she still doesn't fit through that window. Listen, I said it when we were watching it. I would have made it happen. Yeah. I would have kicked it. Yeah. Because that wood didn't even look like it was strong enough. Uh-huh. I would have taken the the toilet cover and just like banged it. I would have made a little bit more effort than her. Mm-hmm. But she's also scared. Yeah. So it's a mix of things going on. So she tells him, I can't get out. Go run and hide. Right. So he does. Of course, Jack gets into the room and he says, Wendy, I'm, I'm home. home. 
He gets to the door and he, you know, the bathroom door and he's like, let me in, little pigs, little pigs, let me in. No, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. The angle at which that is shot mm-hmm. is amazing. It is. It is. It, I'm I, telling you. Yeah. It's art at its best. Mm-hmm. One of its best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously she didn't open the door. And there he goes with the axe mm-hmm. at the famous bathroom scene where he's chopping at the door. She's screaming. I'll, I think it's really cool. It's the angle where they're just showing her, you know, you see the door here mm-hmm. on your left and you're looking at her. She's like cowering in fear with, with a, a knife. knife. Yeah. The scene, the, the, or I'm sorry, the part where like the axe fully comes in mm-hmm. and the way she screams so, because she's realizing, oh my God, this man is here with this axe. I'm yeah. going to die. Yeah. What am I going to do? In her defense, at least she kind of like whacks at him with, <laughs> with the knife, knife at yeah. his hand and mm-hmm. it kind of worked. But what it is, what does, you know, and when when he finally breaks the wood, is and when... he says, "Here's Johnny." <laughs> <laughs> what saves her is Dick. Yeah. Because Jack hears, you know, something outside. He hears a snow the cat. snow cat. That's what it is. So he leaves, and she's like in shock because she just kind of stands there and's like, "Oh shit! Uh, I guess he's gone. I guess it's my time to get out." Mm-hmm. Dick Holleran is in the lobby. Hello? Anybody here? Hello? You know, he's walking, and it's all this echo, and it's dark. Very dark. Very dark, and it's always been kind of light in there. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed? The yes. whole movie, the, the hotel all, has been well kind of lit. lit. Yeah. They never really show the hotel at night. This yeah. was the only time we really saw a night scene. Yeah. And now it's all dark and shrouded in mystery mm-hmm. and terror. And he's walking, and... Then Jack comes out from behind a column and kills this man. I mean, just slams the pick of the ice, of the the ice, of the axe, axe, sorry. Right in the middle. Right into his chest, and it's game over. Now, you would think, and we've talked about this, how did he not see this? I thought about this more because we mentioned it. Like, how did he not know this? Like, this is ridiculous. You have this gift, and you didn't see this coming? Yeah. Or had some kind of sense, but Is it the what hotel? if the hotel clouded it? Maybe? Could I mean, be. that's the only other logical explanation to I cover always, for him. Yeah, I always felt like he had a grip on right. the hotel not affecting him. Agree. So I was like, hmm, that's weird. Mm-hmm. After Jack kills Dick, they show him slowly standing up and look at the camera with this very devious look on his face mm-hmm. and this more powerful stance insanity music going mm-hmm. on now because now there's like a chanting oh, in the music right. that's right i feel like this just unleashed the power of the hotel with him Within because him. now he killed mm-hmm. somebody so that's a soul sacrifice yeah. to the hotel yeah i never thought of it that way yeah oh good one and the music now just it, it stays very uh, prevalent throughout the rest of the the you know in the finale because it's just like now the hotel isn't scared of not showing itself because yeah. now Wendy is wandering the hotel looking for Danny and now even she starts seeing to see the hotel, the hotel. come alive between quotes exactly but I wanted to say just make a quick comment that when Dick Halloran gets the axe to the chest Danny knows because they mm-hmm. flash to him and he's silently screaming 
Right. Because he knows what just happened. What just happened. Right. Well, that's why I'm like, he knew because he read, you know, the red rum murder thing. Yeah. But how about if the hotel just wants him to know to scare him? I guess. But what I'm saying is how how did Dick not know this? I I don't know. know. I get it. I get it. A weird line there, Mm -hmm. you know? Now Jack is also chasing in the hotel. He's looking for Danny. Mm -hmm. Because his main objective is Danny. Because the hotel wants Danny, mostly. So it's all this wandering around between all of them. It's like a goose chase. Mm -hmm. Wendy sees these costumed people doing some weird thing in a a bedroom. That's another famous thing. Bunny suit, is it? Yeah, and, and a dude in a tuxedo. She runs into Grady saying, great party, isn't it? With his head Head, all like like, split. Yeah. Um, Then she runs into like a skeleton crew, basically. Like it's a bunch of skeletons hanging out. In the lobby like or in the whatever. lobby or something. It, it was, and it was dark. It was pitch black. Yeah. It's just... And she's horrified. The she's, look of yeah. horror. Like, I think in her mind, she's like, I, my brain cannot Is over process it. Yeah. this anymore. She, and in the meantime, she's got that knife in her hand. At least she had a weapon. Yeah. The whole a, time. I'm going to give her credit for that. Yeah. She freaks out when she sees Dick. Danny was hiding, like, in this cabinet thing. In the kitchen. In the kitchen area. He he runs out of it when Jack is kind of nearby. So Jack sees him mm-hmm. and he runs to the maze. Right. So Danny he, runs to the maze. Sorry, yeah. Danny runs to the maze. And now comes the chase of Jack and Danny. In the maze. In the maze. What a, a really great scene because the lighting on that, it really imparts how fucking cold it is there. I mean, yeah, you can... I'm, you feel it. You feel how cold. So it's mm-hmm. very well done, like everything else. They're chasing each other. Jack is just always behind. And yeah. he's following the tracks. Mm-hmm. And Jack is lumbering. That sounds funny. He's a lumber yeah, jack. Yeah, well, because remember, Wendy hit him. Right. So I think he's still kind of recovering from right. that. So he's kind of just like, he looks like he's like a drunk person would be. But Running. that's because of the physical. Right. Um. But he's, he, and, and he's dragging the axe with him, too. But Danny mm-hmm. is a genius. And he realizes, he's following me. Let me backtrack mm-hmm. and hide. And he backtracks a lot. Mm-hmm. He goes back and then, like, erases, like, his little footprints in the snow mm-hmm. so that he confuses Jack. And boy, does he confuse Jack. He sure does. Danny does manage, he takes the tracks back, and he gets out, Wendy meets him outside, and they both escape in the snowcat. The one that Dick Halloran came in. Right. And Danny is so excited to see, he's like, Mom! Mommy! And she's like, Danny! And they leave. Right. But the movie's not over yet. Not yet. Because they show Jack... Lost in the maze. But he's... Let's talk about when he finds the end of the tracks. Mm -hmm. The look on his face was literally, what the fuck? Yeah. And I think you and I talked about this afterwards because we noticed something... We noticed something very new in the years of watching this movie. Right. That, I mean... When he is chasing Danny, you just hear him screaming, Danny. I mean, you focus on that, mm. and the rest sounds like mumbling. Right. But this time, and we watch movies with subtitles on. Mm-hmm. One, mostly because some I can't usually hear really low sounds. So, mm-hmm. 
that helps me. Um, but also because it sometimes brings to light things that you don't catch. And we caught it here. Amazing. After Amazing. years of watching this movie, I had no clue. And it's thanks to subtitles. Yeah. He, you, Jack hears the snow cat being driven away. Mm-hmm. He starts saying, wait for me, help me. Yes. Wendy, don't leave me. I had never noticed yeah, that. I'm getting goosebumps again, remembering that. That means the real Jack actually came through at the end because I think the hotel at that abandoned point. Abandoned him. Abandoned him because he, the hotel He's realized useless. it. He's useless to the hotel. Yeah. The hotel was keeping him okay until the hotel was like, all right, well, the kid got the better of him, and now they're leaving. So right. fuck this guy. Yeah. Because Jack comes back. That sounds funny. Jack yeah, is does. back. Yeah. And, and it's really, when I when we were realizing this as the movie was playing, mm-hmm. you really feel sorry for him. Not the crazy Jack, yeah. but this Jack. Yeah, because, because of you, the way he's asking for help. I think at this point he realizes everything that has happened. Has it come full circle that he realizes what has happened to him? It's crazy. I can't believe we were. We both reacted to this. We the same. at the moment we looked at each other like, "What the hell?" Years, mom, Years. of watching Years. this. Because to me, it was just him screaming nonsense. Right. Roar, roar, roar. It just, Literally. Until they put, when you match the subtitle, and then you're like, oh my God. Yeah. We've been watching this movie for 20-something years. Yes. So, it really was Jack at the end. Yeah. And, you know, the the scene continues with him just, you know, running, not running, like, you can tell that he's losing momentum in the main. Physically in bad shape. And then it's the next morning, he's frozen to death. Yeah. Because he just, yeah. He didn't make his way out. Nope. Then we cut to the hotel. We're in the hallway of the of the gold room. And all these old pictures. And we're starting to zoom in on one. And it looks like a big soiree. Big black and white. It's a 4th of July party. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. As we're zooming into this picture, Jack is in it. Mm-hmm. And the picture is from 1921. And he's, like, in the party with a tuxedo. He seems to be, like, the life, the of, the life of the party. Because he's surrounded by everybody. Everyone. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And at the same time, there's this little tune playing. Mm-hmm. That's probably from 1921. What's it called? Midnight, the Stars, and You. Want to hear it? Yes. We were dancing to that. Yeah, like swaying, we were swaying back. It was a good and little. Forth. But it, but it's creepy. It's creepy in the context in which it's used. Yeah. Because I think if you heard it outside, it would be. Kind of a nice little melody, but at this point, eh, I, I will never see or hear this song right. without thinking of this scene. Same here. Same here. <laughs> and that's how it ends. And there's always been this open interpretation about what does this mean? Mm-hmm. It goes back to him always being the caretaker. I just think the hotel absorbs. I'm sure there's a ton of pictures on that wall. Maybe yes. Grady's in one of them. That's true. Or whoever's been there. But, yeah, I think, 
the whole thing of you've always been the caretaker that Grady says to him yep. has always stuck in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Is it because now we're going into something deeper? Has he reincarnated over and over to always end up at the Overlook in different lives hmm. from 21 till now? Maybe. Which could have been one or two lives if if you go into that kind of thing. But That's it, a good theory. It leaves it, like you said, open to you making up how and the what of the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> and that is The Shining. That's a wrap. All right. Sound and movie. I think we've talked... A lot. A lot about it. The mu- the music in this movie is essential. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... It needs it. Yeah. As much as the movie is amazing, the music really just adds to it. And it's constant. It's always playing. It's always... I mean, not in every scene, but there's always something. Even if it's not music, to me, I wrote here, every scene in the movie, the sound is epic yeah it, it doesn't matter what it is whether it's just i don't know what just like a, a bump or whatever you want to call it right it is epic even if it's not music the shrills mm-hmm. all that the just, vocals yeah everything it, it just adds it adds and i think we've played enough of that throughout um the podcast to emphasize just how important this this is. It is part of the movie. You cannot have this movie. Without it. Without it. Kind of like, I'm going to go back to Sinister. Mm-hmm. You yep. cannot, that movie would not be so impactful without that soundtrack S- playing. Fucking weird music. And the yeah. same is, it is true of The Shining. The Shining yeah. would not be the movie it is without that sound. Take it out and it's not as impactful. Agree. Best scene. <laughs> What's your favorite scene? Okay. My favorite scene is the bash your brains in scene when they're on the stairs and Wendy is swinging the bat. Mm -hmm. But as you just said this morning via text, every scene in this movie is amazing. So basically what I did is I did a mental roulette of (laughs) all the scenes and I picked this one. Okay. But... Without a doubt. And it depends on your mood, maybe? It depends on your mood and the day. This one still always stands out. Every movie, every movie, every scene in this movie is amazing, mm-hmm. but this one stands out to me. How about you? It is and will always be the sister scene where Danny goes down that hallway and the come play with us. Because mm-hmm. from day one, that scene freaked me out. It's always been impactful. It still gives me a huge impact. It's well done. It's scary. The music is scary. Danny's great at acting scared. It just, even though the dart scene, like when he's in the game room and they show up, that's technically the beginning. Mm -hmm. This is really like, oh shit. Like he didn't hallucinate that. It wasn't in his head. It's really there. Right. It's just amazing. And I always associate that with, well, I mean, the whole movie associates with itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love it. Every time. How about best character? For me, the best character, I know this is an odd choice. I chose the Overlook. I get that. It is a character, not just visually, but it's alive. Mm-hmm. It's alive through the ghost. It's alive through the influence. And it's beautiful to look at, <laughs> including that amazing carpet. <laughs> but the the hotel and 
You know what would be cool, too? If they made a series on the history. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Like, of all the happenings. Like, take that scrapbook and make them a show. Yeah. Like, the murders and the drama of the Overlook. Everything that And it would be the history of the Overlook. That would be kind of cool. And correct me if I'm wrong. In the book, it does go into the history of I believe brief, you know, not briefly, because there's never anything brief in Stephen King books. But I believe it does. I have it in my stash to read again because I need to revisit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not sure, but I know it does describe a little bit more than just... We only get a tiny, tiny It does talk about the woman in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. which I don't remember her story. Right. It it gives you... The movie gives you a very tiny taste that leaves you wanting more about the history. Mm -hmm. Again, we go back to the fact that we both like backstories. I think you even more than I do. Mm Um, in movies or books even sometimes yeah. so because you want to know why why is the hotel this bad? and what has happened right well clearly the whole indian burial ground obviously i think that's what makes it the haunted situation but where's the origin where mm-hmm. did it begin how did it begin yeah where's the curse you know so that's my favorite character what about you i my favorite carrot characters carrot a carrot carrot what's up carrot. doc my favorite characters is the Torrance family itself okay okay and and here's why and I agree that Nicholson's portrayal of Jack is over the top but can you really ever see anyone else playing this role now no and that's that's what makes it hard and I mean I like I said I would be very open to a remake with the right actors directors everything but it's hard. It is. It's hard. He he is over the top, but it's so good. It is. And his facial expressions yeah. could fill a book. Okay? Yeah. Let alone yeah. memes throughout the entire internet. Yeah. Okay. I have to agree with that. And then there's Danny. This six-year-old little boy. Yeah. You love Danny. I, I love Danny. Mm-hmm. It's like, let that sink in. Six years old. Mm-hmm. Could most six-year-olds play this role? Honestly, no. Not like this. So it's hard. And then then there's Wendy. Shelley Duvall. Her facial expressions conveyed nervousness. She's always on pins and needles. She's horrified. You could almost see her true self when she's with Danny or when she's talking to Dick. But other than that, it's absolute horror all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you can see that she was completely overshadowed by her husband and the, and all the circumstances that life dealt her. She plays that character, her demeanor. It's just there. Yeah. I so, want to comment on her, actually. Mm-hmm. I used to hate her. I know you did. I hated her. Mm-hmm. I thought she was so stupid and annoying. But as I've gotten older and every time I watch it, I like her a little bit more because it's what I said earlier. I don't think she gives herself the credit. Mm-hmm. I think she can be strong because I can't imagine trying to hit your husband on the head because he's acting like a lunatic. That mm-hmm. must have been hard to do no matter what because right. this is somebody you care for, but he's after you. Mm-hmm. So that's brave that you have to do that and lock him up and make the decision to be like, I'm leaving because I need to take care of this kid. Yeah. You don't want to go? 
I'm locking you up. Right. You know, and she she still won out of this. Yeah. And I think she's just making excuses. He's kind excuses. of a hero in yeah. this movie at the end. And she's making excuses for him with the doctor mm-hmm. kind of thing because she probably doesn't know what else to do or where to go. And, right. You know, the whole... And she probably does love him. Right. She does try. Oh, maybe you'll let me read some of what you're writing. And he's just a dick. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. I also oh. think that maybe you've changed your mind, number one, because now you're an adult. Well, yeah. And you are more aware of situations that women in general mm-hmm. might have to put up with, with a a man of this caliber. Right. Where it's like, he's in charge, he's a bully, because yeah. clearly he is, he's an alcoholic. Yeah. And there's, and she's more of, has more of a submissive nature. And how many women might actually be going through that in real life nowadays? Right. You're an adult, so you see... You're an adult woman, so you see that, how yeah. that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do see that little hero in her shining through. Yeah. Shining through. You get, get that? <laughs> and with Danny, he he plays the right vulnerable, but has childlike wonder mm-hmm. and strong. Yeah. So he's perfect. I mean, I think the three of them. That's why I said the Torrance family. They're my favorite. I'm not going to say one or the other because each one has its own little magic. Mm -hmm. So they need each other. Yeah. It's the Torrance family. All right. Least favorite character. What's yours? Mine is actually who your favorite character is. And it's the hotel. Nice. It is. It is evil. Yeah. Without it, this movie would not exist. Well, no. It is it's pure, a good villain. Yes. It is the best unlikable character. It is a villain. Mine used to be your now favorite, least, or whatever it's called. But technically, it's the hotel too. Mm-hmm. I put Grady, but he is the hotel because I don't think this is the real Grady. Right. It's the hotel Grady. Right. So technically, I'm a hypocrite in this, <laughs> right? Because the hotel is my favorite, but it's my least favorite too because- right. It's evil. Well, it's most unlikable, best unlikable. It's not least I'm favorite, sorry, best, yeah, best unlikable character. Because, yeah, why would I want to be at a hotel that's trying to kill me? Exactly. <laughs> but damn it, it's an amazing hotel anyway. It is. It is. <laughs> All right. So we both technically agree. Yes. Does it hold up? Yes. yes. <laughs> well, clearly I'm very biased, but yeah, it does to me. <laughs> at least if you don't like horror or you don't like the movie because there are people that don't like this movie Mm -hmm. i think it's good to appreciate as a cinematic experience and art i agree i agree all right what rules were broken in the shining shall we go over the seven rules absolutely all right rule number one don't say hello or who's there rule number two turn on the lights rule number three don't split up rule number four don't go upstairs in the basement the attic in the kitchen. <laughs> Rule number five. Why are you going in there if it says don't enter, look spooky, no trespassing? Like, why? Rule number six. Make sure the bad guy is dead. And rule number seven. No Ouija board. Okay. This is what I have. Why are you going in there? Like, Jack was warned about that killing from, you know, the Grady family. Mm-hmm. And you still go. You still take your family to this. Why are you going in there? Mm -hmm. And do you really think this is a good idea? Like, I don't even think that's a good idea. (laughs) Like, and I'm 
pretty antisocial and I don't mind, but this is snow mm-hmm. and complete, complete, complete isolation. I need to at least be able to go to Target. Yep. You know? Yep. <laughs> Another rule I have that was broken, but this is a hard one because this is what I was saying, that it's hard to do this because it's a loved one. Mm-hmm. Wendy probably should have made sure Jack was dead before putting him in the pantry. In the pantry. <laughs> but I also don't think she realized that the hotel was behind yeah, this. She had no idea what was going right. on with the hotel. So there's a little, meh. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. But technically, He is the bad right. guy. Yep. It's just hard because we love hate him. Right. <laughs> and so does she. Yeah, clearly. I also have ah, that Dick said, hello, is anybody here? <laughs> yeah. When he came in. If he would have just shut up, maybe he would have lived. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Now, I noticed that you didn't put this in here, so I added it. And that's splitting up. I like it. When Wendy and Danny split, split up. up. Yep, that's a good one. But it's in this true. case, it actually worked it to actually their benefit. It actually did work. Yep, but they did split up. Yes. Those were the rules broken in The Shining. Scream Award. How many times does Erica scream in a movie? I actually put zero. Well, yeah, it I is mean, zero because at this point, you're we're watching the movie because... It's we a classic. It. We yeah. love it. And you especially love it. You know where everything happens. Yeah. And you're not shocked by it, but yet you still will watch it over and over. I would mm-hmm. say it's more of an internal scream mm-hmm. of horror than a external one. But as we've said before, just because I don't scream or we don't scream doesn't mean the movie isn't scary. Yeah. This movie doesn't, even in its organic state, like if you just watched it for the first time, it doesn't have a jump scare. It just no. has moments of oh, or oh man, or that's spooky, or that's eerie. Right. It doesn't have that boo factor. Right. Or shocking in that sense. Not I would to say me. the only part that might, like, get a person to go, oh, is when Jack kills Dick Holleran. Right. Because it's a surprise. It's very surprising when he comes out, ah, and he, you know, yeah. kills him. Yeah, I guess that initially did make me jump mm-hmm. back ooh, when I first saw it. But yeah. since then, it's still the timing that gets me, like, when is it going to, is it here? Is it right. when it gets a little bit closer? Exactly. But, you know, it's still amazing. But, yeah, zero out of five. And clearly our neighborhood has come alive. Our act, yeah, our neighborhood's very active. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we own this movie. But you can watch this movie on HBO Max if you have an HBO Max subscription. And you can rent it on Apple TV, YouTube, Redbox, and Vudu. And how do we know this? Well, because... We use an app, well, actually, Erica uses an app called Jess Watch. It is free. We are not paid or sponsored to promote it. We're just letting you know because we use it, or Erica uses it, and it is fantastic. You type in the name of the movie, any movie, and it tells you where it's streaming, if it's part of that subscription service, or if it's a rental, it'll tell you how much it is. And that's a wrap. (sighs) On The Shining. I was, I've been excited for this since we started the podcast. I had to wait a whole year. It was your month. <laughs> I know. Because initially we were going to do it in October. Right. And then we're like, no, let's make it special for my January birthday pick. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Oh, I'm so happy with this. Thank you, mom. And, and happy birthday. Thank you. And thank you for introducing me to this movie, to the book. And for watching it with me all these years. You bet. Especially on Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) And you are welcome. Here's Johnny.
Here's Johnny. Thank you for joining us today at Horror Cafe. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook with our handle at Horror Cafe Podcast. And we also have a website, horrorcafepodcast.com. Please comment, like, subscribe, send us emails. We'd love to hear from you. We love feedback and fan mail. I get really excited when I get an email from our followers. And please send us emails because we really read them and we do reply. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That'll really help us out. You can leave the star review. And if you can leave a comment, that would be great too. Absolutely. We really appreciate it. And until next time, stay spooky. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.